0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, The independent voice of UNC sports brought to you by t-shirt.com the go to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, this is Taylor Viplis, and from the Inside the Film Room podcast, we've got a couple of my fellow Tar Heel football lettermen with me. It's Zach Goins and Jake Lawler. Guys, with everyone staying home currently, I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to bring us together so we can try and help people find what to watch to pass by the time. But first, you know what have you guys both been up to during these unprecedented times and where are you presently
2: yeah um so first i just wanted to thank you for having us on the show it's uh, it's good to have it, and it's uh, i think it is going to be a good episode um i guess kind of for me personally i've been splitting time between charlotte and Chapel hill and uh really just since i've gotten back from la i've really kind of been writing some of my own stuff as well as watching quite a bit and uh, it's been I've been trying to stay busy as possible, doing like prison workouts, push-ups, and sit ups, but you know, <laughs> I was actually I was actually doing um doing curls with our uh with our like dining bench. So, you know, just any any way to get right. That's impressive, Jake.
0: Uh again, Vip, thanks for having us on here. Um, I'm here in Charlotte. So on my work from home life, that's pretty much all I've been doing. Just Sit in the corner at my desk for like eight or nine hours a day, working, get some walks outside, doing a couple workouts. And then, of course, just streaming, watching movies, TV shows, new series, Tiger King, of course, pretty much everything everybody else has been keeping up with, trying to stay busy.
1: Now, obviously, everyone's health and well-being is the first and really only priority. But personally, how has it affected you guys both as moviegoers?
0: Right. I mean, that's something huge, because for our for those of you that don't know, our podcast is a movie review podcast. So we're pretty much every week going to see something new, going to see maybe two two or three different things and then reviewing it on our podcast. So beyond just the podcast, though, like in daily life, going to see movies, that's something that we all like to do. And uh, it's really, really shortened my list so far this year. I'm only at 12 movies this year. And I think last year I was probably at like 25 by this point. So it's it's devastating, honestly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I mean, look, ultimately, you know, film and television and the production of both really is kind of like relatively low on the list of important things at the moment. But I do think that it. Um, kind of alleviates a lot of stress for people that are kind of fortunate enough to be able to stay at home without having to go back into work. Um, I do think that it kind of helps a lot to get get us out. And I know that for me, I loved going to a theater. I mean, you know, that was just what I did. It was cathartic. I would go alone. I would go with people. Really didn't matter. But it it always been sort of like a a safe haven for me. So it's not necessarily like completely detrimental, but it is disappointing.
1: Now, some movies barely had any time in the theater before going straight to streaming movies like the way back the invisible man the hunt now upcoming releases they're getting pushed back how do you think this will affect the movie industry going forward
2: um you know i there's a lot of people that say that like this is the new normal that films will get pushed to streaming services and i I really don't think that's the case i mean i think that despite the fact that there's millions and millions and millions of dollars out on the table for having movies in theaters, um, especially for huge IPs that we've seen that have been pushed back. um, I think that when theaters do open back up, I mean, regardless if it's, you know, Wonder Woman 84 or if it's, um, you know, just any, you know, any big IP like that, or if it's a small movie, I think that, you know, a lot of people are going to want something to do. I mean, you know, there's, people that never went out to eat that are now wishing that they could go out to eat. And I think that movies are relatively the same way. So I think that once um, everyone starts getting healthier and more safe and more comfortable with opening the theaters back up, I think we're going to see a huge increase in, and um, in ticket purchases for sure.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, the, I think Jake and I talked about it last week saying that like, it's going to be a celebration when people finally go back to movies, the people that, used to complain about oh I don't want to go see that I wish I could just watch it at home now that they've been watching stuff at home for such a long time uh they're going to be itching to get back in the theater so I agree with that I think that it's going to it's not going to really affect the the future of movies going forward yeah I think the biggest the biggest problem for me with the
1: movies getting released straight to uh streaming platforms is You know they're charging like twenty dollars, and I understand. It's ridiculous. I understand why they're doing that, but for me, and I'm assuming you guys have it, just with how much you guys go to the movie. I have AMC A list where I pay. I think it's like twenty dollars a month, where I get to see up to three movies a week. So there's zero chance I'm paying twenty dollars. I don't (laughs) care. I don't care if you know somebody comes out and says this is the greatest movie ever. Twenty dollars a movie compared to when I was watching A list for. $20 uh, an entire month where I could see up to you
0: know like 12 movies it's it's almost
1: uncomparable
0: right I I'm in the same boat I'm also a A A-list member and I got excited at first when they announced this because I was like okay $20 not bad because I thought you were purchasing the movie but it's like it's $19.99 to rent for most of these things and you get it for a 48-hour window so I mean maybe if it was a really if it was like we know Black Widow got pushed back, but if it was a movie of like that caliber, then I might consider it. But like, I'm not gonna pay twenty dollars to rent The Hunt or some like B-list movie that's out right now. So unfortunately, it's it's not really. I'm not really on that train.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that really just the sheer cost that we're seeing about how expensive they're making these things just kind of alludes to the fact that um, they are losing money by not having stuff in the theater, which again sort of emphasizes our point that. When um, theaters do open back up, they will be um, filled for the most part, regardless of what movie it is, just because of, you know, just the sheer freedom of being able to choose.
1: All right. Before we get into what people could be watching now that they're at home, I just wanted to take a quick break here so I can remind everyone about Johnny T-shirt as a local small business in Chapel Hill. Johnny T-shirt needs your support now more than ever. Whatever you could want as a Carolina fan when it comes to Tar Heel apparel, Johnny T-Shirt has got you covered. They are running some great sales currently online at JohnnyT-shirt.com, so you could get what you want at the best price possible. On the off chance, you don't need any Carolina gear right now. You could go online and buy a gift card from them because we all know Tar Heel fans, best fans in the world, are going to want more gear at some point in the near future. And don't forget, Inside Carolina, premium subscribers, save 10% off their orders. Okay, guys, now let's get back to business. People are looking for movies to watch. Collectively, we've seen a lot of movies over the past year. So I'm going to go through a list of movies that we've all seen. So we could kind of, without spoiling the movies, give people our opinions on them. And, you know, I want to start with a movie dear to Zach's heart. Sometimes I think are <laughs> paying him for how much he promotes this movie. Zach, what do you think about Booksmart?
0: Oh man, I knew it was coming right when you said that. This is, this was my favorite movie of 2019. Out of, I saw 75 movies last year, and this is number one. And it held that spot for a long time because it came out in May, I believe, and didn't get dethroned the entire rest of the year. But this is, if you like Super Bad, the that's like a classic high school party movie, coming of age movie. This is like the, 2019 reincarnated version of it it's updated to fit the times you've got two fantastic female leads olivia Wilde, directorial debut i just mm, don't even get me started vip you don't want the the whole spiel here
1: (laughs) jake now do you agree with that review or are you kind of sick of hearing how much zach talks about (laughs) books no i
2: mean (laughs) you know i think that uh zach knows that i'm i'm definitely in the book smart boat i'm i love it i mean i think it's a phenomenal debut uh It's two kind of wonderful performances, as he said, and it is a terrific film, and it was definitely one of the strongest films of the first half of 2019. So I was I was thankful that I got to see it, and um, I'm glad Zach likes it so much because he he uh, reminds uh, he actually reminded me to watch it uh, rewatch it a few weeks ago, and it definitely holds up. So
1: that's a movie that I definitely still have to rewatch. I I loved it the first time I saw it in the theater. I thought you know there were so many just laugh out loud, funny moments. So that's a movie we're all recommending. Booksmart probably one of the top movies we're recommending, especially when you consider how much Goins is shifting. the balance <laughs> Exactly. And it's
0: it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. So you can watch it. If you have that, you can stream it for free.
1: The next movie I wanted to go to, Jake, you could start us here once upon a time in Hollywood.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it really kind of for Tarantino, I think it vacillates between, um, Pulp fiction and once upon a time in Hollywood for my top films that he's ever made. And I felt that way immediately walking out of the theater. I mean, I think that, um, it is the ultimate hangout movie, which is really cool considering that Tarantino coined that term. Um, and it's, I mean, it's great. It's, you know, it's Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, it's really kind of a love letter to the old Hollywood as well as examining some of the anxieties about new Hollywood as well. Um, it's it's utter, it's it's utterly fantastic it was definitely one of my favorite films of the year
0: i'm i'm with jake on that one i mean if you we probably talk about it on our podcast maybe every other episode about the leonardo dicaprio scene in the trailer where after he like flubbed up yeah. his lines and he's just having the mental breakdown it's like one of my favorite scenes of of all of last year but yeah i agree i hadn't seen when this came out over the summer i'd only seen one tarantino movie that was like a big blind spot in my my like movie history so since i first saw it i've gone back and watched like five or six other ones and then rewatched this and i appreciate it even more but i totally agree that that's definitely and it'll it'll give you it's like 3 hours a little more than 3 3 hours maybe something like that so it'll definitely give you a plenty of time it'll, it'll pass plenty of time
1: yeah i think it's like 2 hours somewhere two and a half hours somewhere in the two and a half three hour window so right. normally that could be something that you know steers people away from the movie but i think in a situation like this and it's a movie that i think it takes a while to kind of get building but that last like 30 or so minutes it right. was like some of the best movie uh some of the best viewing i've ever seen in a movie theater um and then of course you get leo brad pitt margot robbie it's it's a a star-studded cast so that's another movie i think we're all putting in the the uh you have to check it out if you haven't seen it yet going to flipping the script kind of completely you get a
0: movie like parasite zach what do you think about that that was another one that is obviously the best picture winner it was a big upset at the oscars um but there was a quote that the director Bong Joon-ho had said at the Golden Globes about like once you overcome the one inch, the one inch barrier of subtitles, you'll be exposed to so many more movies. And I think that that's a great message for anyone who's resisting watching this because it's a Korean film. It's in it's in Korean. So, you yes, you have to read. But uh, I mean, it's just it's incredible. It's one of the best. I don't know. Booksmart has that personal connection to me. But I mean, this is just like technically, narratively, everything all put together is like definitely the best overall movie from last year. And that's why I was honored as such. But I mean, I, I, this is, I think Jake is better to speak on this one than I am, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's a rare thing. It's a rare and it's a wonderful thing when the actual best picture wins the best picture award. And, um, you know, Parasite's success at the Oscars was monumental. But I think that really um it's it it was my it was my best film of the year it was my favorite film of the year and it's it after i saw it the second time it like instantly landed in like my top five favorite movies of the decade and as well as like mixing in the list of the all-timers as well i mean i've been following um bong for quite a while i mean you know memories of murder the host um okja just snowpiercer i mean he's he's made some incredible things before but i think that um, in my mind, Parasite is his magnum opus for so many reasons that kind of Zach talked about. I mean, you know, the acting and uh, the the, uh, the ensemble won Best Acting Ensemble at the SAG Awards, which was well-deserved because they're all brilliant. I mean, technically, it was stunning. I think the script was razor sharp. Um, they played with a lot of different uh, thematic elements that are really tough to talk about. And they did it in such a way that was kind of noticeable but not overt. Um, yeah, I mean, Parasite is easily one of the greatest films of the past 20 years and it's um i was you know i you know i think i was blown away the first time i saw it and i just continue to watch it again kind of really just uh just to study how how good it was it's
0: another one also that like i feel like the less you know about it going in the better yeah because i i don't know about you vip but jake and i've had this discussion of like i didn't really know anything going in and so the first half it's like this fun family comedy kind of thing and then mm. at the midway point it just twists and it's a completely different movie and it was like the most unexpected but delightful like transition
1: yeah i agree with that and i think one of the going back to your subtitles point one of the main reasons why i like going to the movie theaters it's kind of like a way to just kind of get away from the outside world and when i'm at home trying to watch movies you know there's a lot of outside things that can kind of distract me So when I watched Parasite and I saw the subtitles, my first thought was, you know, I'm going to have to read for a couple of hours. But then like the more I got into it, like the subtitles kept me focused in on the movie to which Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's kind of like the theater experience that you're supposed to have. So I think if you go in with the thought like subtitles are going to be, you know, annoying to read, I think it's a, a good kind of change of pace from what we're normally accustomed to. And. situation where you kind of just immerse yourself in in the theater experience
0: yeah i definitely agree with that
1: all right so i think that's another movie we're all recommending this is a movie that i've seen kind of split reviews on um but what did you guys think about adam sandler and uncut gems
0: let's (laughs) go
2: (laughs) Um, I know yeah, that's probably
0: be- bad audio there, just screaming into the microphone, <laughs> but that's, I think that's pretty accurate for what Uncut Gems is. I mean, it's, it's like an hour and a half, two hours of just chaotic, ridiculous shouting and nonstop action. Oh, man. It's, it's, a, it's a doozy, and it's not your typical Adam Sandler.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that for, um, I mean, Zach, Zach definitely said it with it's. It definitely isn't your kind of typical Adam Sandler. I think that, um, but it is. It was. It, it was also in one of my favorite films of the year, and um, I, you know, I love it for so many different reasons. I think the chaos works so perfectly with it. Um, the Safdie's who directed it have always done like an incredible job of kind of creating their own world and their own unique way of filmmaking um they did it so they did it um their kind of breakout film was good time with robert pattinson which is also excellent but you know heaven knows what is also a film they made back in 2014 which is also just incredible but i do think that this is their strongest work yet um you know but it it is one of those films that like if you're not If you don't know what to expect, then you might be kind of a little bit turned off by it because it is something that is new and it's something that's a little bit hard to follow. Um, But, you know, I was fully invested in it and it is kind of like nerve wracking up until the very last minute. And um, it's 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 phenomenal. So I'm definitely recommending that as well. As a New
0: Yorker, how did you feel about that, Vib? His New York kind of personality? Yeah, just like the the hustle and bustle.
2: Sleazy, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody in New York is
1: sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all have those small kind of stores. They're they all have got their side hustles going on. And I think sports fans will kind of like it or gravitate towards it because you do get um a look into the sports type, uh the sports betting type world. But you know, mm-hmm. I went to this movie with my girlfriend who also has AMC A list and she was not a fan of it kind of going (laughs) off Jake's point, you know, where things are just happening, happening randomly. What would you guys say to the people, you know, who don't like the messiness of it and
0: just how would you get them to try to just kind of embrace the chaos of it? I mean, I think it's definitely not for everyone. It's the, like the, the way that Howard Ratner's persona is, like everything about the film reflects that and it kind of just drags you in. You're not uh, on the outside looking in, but you're like a part of that, that messiness.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. And it's it's really one of those things where you're either going to like it or you're not. I mean, I think that the only kind of way that you could articulate it in a way that may would facilitate a rewatch would just be, because I think for me personally, it's like when you watch when you watch like films like heist films or crime films, especially in the past 20 or 25 years or so, uh, it's really about the glitz and the glamour and kind of like the, everything that comes with being like a smart and fancy criminal. And this is like the complete opposite of that. So it's like a real kind of visceral and um, engaging look at what happens to people that, you know, ruin their lives because they do a lot of bad stuff. And I think that, it's something that I had never seen before, at least to the extent that um, was shown in Uncut Gems. And I think, I mean, you know, but I mean, at that point is you're just kind of like preaching to the choir. I think it really is one of those films. that's just going to be polarizing because of um, what it is. And, you know, some people love it like we do. And some people don't.
0: Who knew KG was that good?
2: Oh, he's excellent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Moving
1: on to the next movie, comedy's, are far and away my favorite type of movies. And I think Seth Rogen had a great one in Longshot. Zach, what were your
0: kind of thoughts on Longshot? That was definitely, I'm with you there. That was one of the ones that I think didn't get appreciated enough last year. It kind of, it came out like late spring, early summer and kind of just got lost in the shuffle. But yeah, this was the, it, it was so funny. It's got Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron as the kind of like, the the mismatched duo star-crossed lovers kind of thing and it was it was so funny this was right up there with book smart is one of my favorite comedies and i really think that hopefully in this time where everyone's locked up and doesn't have anything better to do that more people will get exposed to this
2: yeah i mean uh it 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 was definitely one of the pleasant surprises for me as well it was great um you know they were both uh, they were both great in it rogan and throne um and it's it's just wonderful it's like it's one of those films where i wasn't really expecting anything going in and then to come out kind of thoroughly enjoyed because i think zach is right it was a shame that um a lot of people didn't see it because it really was quite good and it wasn't just like a funny film i mean it, it had a lot to say too um which is always really good and o'shea jackson um ice cube son was in it uh who also kind of stole the show and basically every scene he was in. <laughs> he's like what does he say he's like i'm a man of the
0: god and the gop baby <laughs> yeah. sticking
1: with the comedies you get a movie now that seth rogan produced good boys what you guys think about that
2: um i thought it was good i mean i thought it was fine uh, i do think that um if you want to go with comedies the the long shot and um long shot and book smart are definitely better in terms of quality but i think that it does have a lot of endearing qualities about it to make it kind of watchable
0: yeah i feel like for some people that made the comparison saying that book smart was super bad with women now good boys is super bad with middle schoolers it's the same kind of like hysterical over-the-top party story where it's like these misfits in uh in middle school or trying to get to a party and there's something that's stopping them. And so it's this, the same concept, but this is just, it makes it funnier, I think, because of the fact that they're 11, 12 years old and they're just completely oblivious to everything they're talking about. And I, I thought it was really funny, but again, I mean, it's kind of that like turn your brain off kind of comedy that you don't really have to, to pay much attention to. But I mean, that's kind of what you need at this point when when we're all locked down. <laughs>
1: Super Bad. When it, whenever you compare a movie to Super Bad with something else, like Super Bad with girls, Super Bad with middle school kids, it's just a formula that I think is is going to work with the success of Super Bad. But switching to the action genre, this is a series that I've never watched. But Jake, why would you recommend somebody getting started in the John Wick universe?
2: <laughs> um where do I begin? I mean, I think that uh, the John Wick universe is something that I kind of hold near and dear to my heart. Um, I think the world is so unique and it's so special because it's something that I had never seen before except anything except for Bullet, which is like an old 1968 film, but it's like an antiseptic world. It's like everything is kind of clean and dry and everyone in there was born with you know intelligence sarcasm anger and wit or a combination of all four and um you know it's it's some of the best action that i've ever seen i mean it comes from chad stahelski who's a stunt coordinator on um the matrix so you know he and he's he's done a lot of things since then and he's got a lot of experience and um it's just some of the craziest action sequences i've ever seen i think keanu reeves is stellar as the kind of the, the titular role and um, each one, it just gets crazier and crazier and each one is different um, in, in its own wonderful and exciting and violent way. And um, the third one came out in 2019 and they're working on the fourth one right now. And I just can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah. This is one where I was kind of like you, Vip. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen any of the movies. And then I knew this one was coming out. And so I, Binge the first two like the week before to get prepped and it was really enjoyable i mean i think that the first one you kind of get all the action you just get adjusted to everything and then the second and third one it kind of works to develop the universe and build that world a little bit more so instead of just explosions and shootouts you're actually learning about the characters and kind of why this stuff happens but it's a it's a really enjoyable one and it's just another example of like the Keanu Reeves renaissance that's been going on for the past year or two.
2: Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.
1: I have to put that one on my list. That should knock out about nine hours of this quarantine period. But <laughs> moving away from the movies, people with all this time now at home, they're looking for shows that they can binge. What are some of your guys' personal favorites or shows that you're currently watching that you would recommend to the people? Maybe just give a, a
0: short little elevator pitch for the shows that you're watching or that you hold dear to your heart. Um so for me I would say these are three that I'm currently watching. Uh number 1 is Veep on HBO Go. It's one that I don't I think VIP, I think you've talked about it, but th- this is just like the vice president comedy with uh with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, but it's so funny, it's so smart. Jake kind of got me hooked on it, but it's been out for a while and I'm just finally working my way through it. So I need to catch up so that I can finally talk about it with everybody else. Uh, another one is one that's actually, I'm one of the few people that still watches live TV instead of streaming uh, for Survivor, which every time I bring that up, people are like, Survivor's still on TV? They, they just sleep on it and don't understand how good it is because this season is incredible. It's got 20 previous winners on it. It's season 40 of the show. So I've been watching that and like also rewatching old seasons on Amazon Prime just to kind of get that comfort watch. And then I'm also working my way through New Girl on Netflix, which is another one that's been out for a while. And it's just kind of that quick 20-minute comedy that I can turn on and watch a couple episodes.
2: Yeah. And I think that uh, for me, I've been watching uh, the show by Alex Garland, who directed um, X mark and Annihilation. And he also wrote and kind of ghost-directed uh, Dread. And he wrote 28 Days Later. He kind of made his jump into TV with this show called Debs, which is like, Um, A science fiction thriller about a um, about like a kind of a tech conglomerate program. Uh, Nick Offerman is in it in a completely different role than um, Ron Swatson from um, Parks and Recreation. Uh, It's exciting. It's brilliant. I think it's very smartly written. Um, Watchmen is another one, which is similar. It's only one it's only one um oh Devs is on Hulu. Uh Watchmen is only one season. I don't I don't think that they're coming back to doing another one which is great because it's completely self-contained. Uh Damon Lindelof created the show. It's 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 one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Um kind of going along with that, the first season of Westworld or Westworld I just finished watching which is equally as brilliant and um if you're if you kind of are have some sort of morbid fascination with how the government and how kind of the media is handling everything in terms of, uh, the coronavirus outbreak. I think Chernobyl is a great one as well to so kind of, uh, just it's not going to really do any good to help you forget what's going on, but it is, it is quite brilliant.
0: Jake's shows are a lot darker than mine. It sounds yeah. like.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going on the lighter side, Brooklyn nine, nine, is a show that I watch live every week. You could watch it on, I think when I miss it, it's on Hulu, um, but it's live on NBC. I think it's one of the funniest shows that I've ever watched. Um, the cast, I, I love the cast, how they all play off each other. Andy Samberg, mm-hmm. you get his character, Jake Peralta. Charles Boyle is probably one of my favorite characters. And just seeing the their dynamics and their uh and their police station is always funny to me. And then the other show that I would recommend to people is on HBO, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I know uh, Zach just put out his. i not seen it. Zach just put out his top HBO show lists and left out Curb Your Enthusiasm. Has never seen it. I think Larry David, like if you like Seinfeld, and um, you know, I think Seinfeld is one of the most highly regarded shows of, or one of the most highly regarded sitcoms of. Um, you know all time if you like Seinfeld which i do i think Curb Your Enthusiasm is just a a better version of Seinfeld just because Larry David his his comedic his timing everything about Larry David like i just find so funny when, even when he's not really trying to be funny so i would recommend Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO but um you know as former athletes I thought people may want to know any sports-specific shows or movies that we would suggest to them or ones that we're watching or we have watched. Do you guys have any of those, starting with
0: you, Zach? Now, I can't speak on the quality of any of these shows. I, I, I know of some sports shows, but I have not watched them myself. But I know on Netflix, Cheer is huge. The documentary about the cheerleading team, everyone in my office at work, talks about just how incredibly well-made it is as a documentary. I need to I need to catch up on it. I've got nothing but time. Then I know All-American is also really big on Netflix, which is like a high school football kind of thing. But I refuse to watch that because I've seen some very cringeworthy football scenes. I don't know if you guys have seen those on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I can't like, watch
1: All-American. They're like tackling they're each other in seven, seven
0: on seven. <laughs> like, I was like, no, it's that. that's one of my biggest pet peeves, I would say, seeing like, it's it's on most TV shows or movies when they try and do like a football scene or something. And it's just so bad. Like the quarterback's throwing form is awful. Like not, It just doesn't work at all. And then the other show is on Amazon Prime. It's the all or nothing documentary series. I watched last season because it was the Panthers. Obviously, that's my team. So I, I was very into that. This season just recently came out in February, I want to say. And it was with the Eagles. So I know... Previously, maybe there could be some Mac Hollins action on there before he got traded, but I don't know. Maybe VIP, you'll have to check that one out for us.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, I really don't watch any uh, sports stuff outside of you know the sports I do. I think that that's just kind of something weird with me. Like I, I watched you know the games, of course, but nothing really sports related in terms of fictional entertainment. Um, I actually just rewatched Rocky uh, for um, a few weeks ago. And it is, you know, everyone has seen it at this point. But, you know, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely check it out because it is just a phenomenal film.
1: Now, I love sports documentaries. Like if you put out a sports documentary and give us a behind the scenes type of look into a program or a team, like I'm always going to watch that. So the two that I have to suggest to people, um, I'm also a big soccer fan so that is also another thing even if you don't like soccer i think just the dynamics between the teams is enough to kind of get people interested on amazon prime there's one called take us home leeds united and they're not in the whole thing is they're in the championship which is below the premier league and they're a team that used to be really good and they're trying to get back to the premier league and they brought in a new manager they brought a new player so the season is just following them in the championship, trying to get back up to the Premier League, which is interesting just because of the financial implications that a team has when they're trying to get into the premier League because if if a team goes goes for broke trying to get in the Premier League and they don't get it the the t v deal monies are way uh lower and it could it could bankrupt teams and send you down even further and then the other one it's another soccer documentary. It's called, uh, Sunderland till I die on Netflix. And it's, um, the best way I could describe it. This is, this is kind of, you can't really spoil it because like this, these seasons have already happened and people already know what's going on. But the best way I could describe it is if you imagine the premier league as the MLB, the championship as AAA baseball and, um, the league one as like double A baseball and the top teams from triple A are getting promoted to the MLB. The worst teams from that MLB are getting sent down to triple A. So Sunderland was this team that was always in the premier league and they get sent down to the championship and the Netflix comes in and they're like, we want to do a documentary on you getting back up to the premier league. And like the season goes so bad for Sunderland that they get (laughs) sent down to basically double A and they were, they were this team. And I, it's just, it's like, it's like a train wreck that you're watching. And the, the fans, like the Sunderland is like all they have their football club. And the fans are like, you know, the players could leave, like we're stuck here watching this team. And just like seeing, just seeing them all interact with the team while the team is just spiraling out of control. it's it's one that I would definitely recommend to people. And I hope that Netflix puts out another series of it. But closing out the podcast, we've only mentioned this show one time. It took over social media. We're closing out with Tiger King. We're taking a page from the Ringer's Playbook with their exit survey where I will ask you guys questions. And we're just kind of uh, just answering these questions to close it out. So what is your tweet length review of tiger king starting with you jake
2: it, <laughs> i don't think i can make it um it doesn't have to be as long as a tweet i think it's just like um exciting train wreck is really <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's really how i'd sum it up zach
0: yeah i don't know if it'll be 280 characters but okay, just, on it after okay it's just <laughs> this like Jake said, a train wreck, you you have to watch it. You want to look away, but you can't. Uh, it's just, I didn't know that any of these people ever existed, that this was like a, a real part of America. And so it's just fascinating <laughs> to see that.
1: Yeah, mine was going along the same lines as you guys. I can't believe what I'm watching, but at the same time, please give me more. <laughs> exactly. And I think that, that kind of sums it up where you guys, uh, Zach, you just mentioned like, a week ago, I kind of got on this train late. A week ago, like I didn't know any of these guys existed. And now I'm like looking up articles, listening to podcasts <laughs> about them, trying to learn as much as possible. Um, it was really just riveting TV for the seven episodes, I think it was. But in your guys' opinion, what was the best moment of the series or a couple moments if you guys have? Them?
0: I would say just the complete episode three like the that's the when it's called the secret that's the one where it really dives into carol baskin's story i think that's the best like it was the the most well told part of the documentary but also just like incredibly fascinating i felt like i was watching like a a dateline or a 2020 or something learning about that she definitely killed her husband like it was that was my favorite episode
2: yeah, I mean, um, The Secret is definitely my favorite episode as well. Uh, we actually talked about it on our podcast as well. It's about kind of how just, like, how kind of supremely well done the episode was. It was fascinating. It it really was like a true crime documentary. And I think it, out of all the craziness, I think the most coherent thought that I can kind of gather from it is that Carol definitely killed her husband.
1: I mean, that's, <laughs> allegedly, that's a, a dead giveaway. <laughs> But for me, I would say the best moment of the series was um, when Joe Exotic was running as a libertarian in the Oklahoma election. And he had no idea what a libertarian was. And uh, that, I think, kind of summed up just how crazy this entire show was, where, you know, you get a guy who has a a big cat, um, a big cat breeder, just running an election. And I, I think it just sums up the, the madness of the show but uh when it comes to the biggest twist that took you by surprise what were some of your personal favorites and some of them are kind of dark twists so it's not exactly your personal favorites but ones that made for the best kind of television
2: I think one of the most shocking things is when um uh was when Joe's husband Travis, Travis when Travis killed himself on um in front of uh, Joe's campaign manager, and they got it on the. Uh, they got his campaign manager's reaction on the uh, CCTV, mm. was just like unbelievable. I was like, "Oh my god!" Because it's like you're watching the craziness of everything that's going on, and you think that like some of it is scripted, and then you realize like the sheer consequences of um, these people being as bad as they are, and you know what happens when. You know, people that are susceptible to be manipulated are manipulated and kind of fall down. You know, things and it's it it really is like a shocking moment where you just you cannot believe it.
0: Yeah, I would say definitely that one. Like Jake said, it kind of takes the fun out of uh, out of what we had been watching and makes you realize how real it is. But going back to what you said, Vip for number two. I mean, I think the biggest twist was just the whole campaign part. That's on the on the lighter side, definitely, but. Just when you think things can't get can't get any more ridiculous, like every episode has some sort of twist at the end, and then the fact that he runs for president and then decides, "Oh no, I can't wait that long, I'm gonna run for governor and then the part where he's like you hear him say that he's polling third, so the fact that he actually had people voting for him like this is it's just madness
1: now I have a a couple of points that I put down just because. This, again, was a show I couldn't get enough. The fact that Carol started out as a big cat breeder, I thought was a a big plot twist. Uh, hypocrite. Hypocrite. Hypocritical. <laughs> the fact that Carol fed her husband to a tiger. Um, <laughs> the part where the woman at the park, uh, the worker, she gets her arm mauled off by a tiger, and then uh, she chooses... To have her arm amputated so she could get back to working. Crazy. Uh, the, the one guy who uh who lost who had his legs lost, but then you find out it wasn't from a tiger attack, he just had a, a zip lining accident. And then I thought the another big plot twist that kind of took me by surprise was the the studio fire because you know, you see, I don't know like why Joe exotic thought it was a good idea to record himself speaking with his uh, lawyer, where his lawyer was like, Joe, you you," like, as long as they have the tapes, like, you know what, what could happen. And then like a week later, the (laughs) tape go on fire in uh, in his studio, like, um, that, that part took me for a twist. And the, another funny part that I thought, um, was worth mentioning is, uh, the feud between carol baskins and joe exotic when joe just ramped it up to the complete petty level with the copying carol's logo the big cat oh yeah uh, (laughs) i thought that was a a a good uh twist that just made me laugh every time like they would show like you know their logo or the um the font that Joe Exotic would use I, th- I thought that was a good moment so the last question that i will ask you guys is what were you the most surprised
0: to find out about after watching tiger king i have two things number 1 we'll see if it actually happens but in an interview i think it was with netflix from prison after everything aired um joe exotic says that he is done with the carol baskin saga so no, he, he we will see. Right. We know that <laughs> we know that he has twenty two years until he's out of prison, but we'll see what happens if he gets out, if that's truly uh if he's truly buried that hatchet with her. And then my other one is just I've loved seeing John's glow up, his first husband. He we saw at the end of the episode that he got his tattoo covered up that said <laughs> uh sole property of Joe Exotic. But and we've seen, I don't know if you've seen the pictures on Twitter that he like, he has some hair now, he wears shirts, he got new dentures. He's, um, I don't know if he's married or not, but it's the, the woman that he got pregnant and got and ran off with that, uh, he's just, he seems to be living a, a good life now that he's got that Netflix money in the bank.
2: And I think for me, um, the sheriffs of Carol Baskins County are reopening Don Lewis's case. Um, There's like articles from the Post Time New York Times about just them explaining why they're reopening in it. Uh but hopefully some justice is finally served.
1: Now for me, the this is something like I was talking about, like all the things that I learned and reading about the the biggest the one that hurt the most for me is that Joe Exotic didn't write or sing any of his country songs. That was crazy. What? Yeah, he didn't
0: know. You know that. Like I, I realized as as it was happening in the show, I was like, "There's no way this, like, this is heavily auto tuned or something," because it definitely does not sound like him. But it, that's that's true. It wasn't even him singing. Uh, it's the uh, the Clinton Johnson band. That's devastating because I, I saw I saw a tiger is a, is a banger.
1: I saw uh, towards the end of the series when I was um, sitting there and I kept hearing him talk. I was like, "There's no way this could be him singing these songs." and i i think i was listening to the dan levitard show and that there's this guy who's like kind of dedicated the past like five years to following around joe exotic even before like netflix approached it um he was like yeah they're they're not uh that's not joe exotic's pipes scene singing those tracks that's um,
0: devastating
1: another thing that i read is the election joe exotic I thought Joe Exotic had gotten 19% of the entire election. It turns out that 19% was only the the Libertarian polls, which is kind <laughs> of, I thought 19% of Oklahoma, uh, well, I don't even know what their, their name is, Oklahomans. I thought they were I, kind of, does anybody know?
0: I, 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 I have no idea. Um, Sooners.
1: Yeah. I, thought, I thought 19% of Sooners were just out of their mind. Uh, I mean, that's
0: still 19% too high. It's still.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the last thing that I saw, which um, I thought was funny, just worth mentioning, um, the officer that investigated the fire at Joe Exotic Zoo, um, the, the guy that I had mentioned before, who I heard on the Dan Levitart Show, who's done this podcast about Joe Exotic for the past five years, um, he would, he lived at the zoo with Joe exotic and, uh, he called the, the police officer responsible for the case to ask him follow-up questions about like, what he you found? And the next day, Joe exotic called him angrily. Like, who is this? Like, why are you asking about sir, uh, blah, 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 about the fires. And, um, the, the guy was like, oh no, this is Robert Moore. You know, I've lived on the property with you guys. I was just trying to find out more information. He was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, why is the police officer telling you that I'm asking questions? He's like, oh, that's my limo driver.
0: (laughs) I think that's a summary of just like how ridiculous this whole thing is. Uh,
2: Absolutely.
0: I also saw, we haven't talked about Jeff Lowe at all, but he, I saw that he's on Cameo now, the the app where you like record messages to people. I don't know the charge, but I saw one where he was like telling someone like "Stay strong." The government will fall. Communism will rise again. Like it was just like this. We're living in a simulation right now. This is not a real life.
1: Oh man, Tiger King! If you haven't watched it yet, even hearing all this, if you haven't watched it and you've heard all of us talk about this, it's still something that you have to watch, see for yourself. There's probably things we left out that will make your jaw drop i saw somebody on twitter somebody from the ringer uh jason concepcion where he was like this is the one show that is you can't spoil it for people because it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous but i think that's a good spot to wrap this one up it was great getting to talk with you guys today and hope the listeners can take something out of this all the while still staying safe out there but i just want to thank you guys again
0: thanks a bit. appreciate yeah, thank it